Chapter Twenty Six of Helping Himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twenty Six A Western Cabin. Abner? The speaker was a tall, gaunt woman in a loose faded calico dress, and she stood at the door of a cabin in a western clearing. "'What's your want?' came a reply from a tall, unhealthy-looking boy in overalls, who was sitting on a log in the yard. "'I want you to split some wood for the stove.' "'I'm tired,' drawled the boy. "'I'll tire you,' said the mother sharply. "'You tall, lazy, good-for-nothing drone. Here I've been up since five o'clock, slaving for you and your drunken father. Where's he gone?' "'To the village, I reckon.' "'To the tavern, I reckon.' It's there that he spends all the money he gets hold of. He never gives me a cent. This is the only gown I've got except for an old alpaca. Much he cares. It isn't my fault, is it? asked the boy indifferently. You're a follerin' in his steps. You'll be just another Joel Barton. Just as shiftless and lazy. Just split me some wood before I get hold of yer. Abner rose slowly, went to the shed for an axe, and in the most deliberate manner possible began to obey his mother's commands. The cabin occupied by Abner and his parents was far from being a palace. It contained four rooms, but the furniture was of the most primitive description. Joel Barton, the nominal head of the family, was the possessor of eighty acres of land from which he might have obtained a comfortable living for the soil was productive. But he was lazy, shiftless, and intemperate, as his wife had described him. Had he been as active and energetic as she was, he might have been in very different circumstances. It is no wonder that the poor woman was fretted and irritated almost beyond endurance, seeing how all her industry was neutralized by her husband's habits. Abner took after his father, though he had not yet developed a taste for drink, and was perfectly contented with their poor way of living, as long as he was not compelled to work hard. What little was required of him he would shirk if he possibly could. This cabin was situated about a mile from the little village which was gathered round the depot. The name of the township was Serpico, though it is doubtful if one in fifty of the inhabitants knew after whom it was named. In fact, the name was given by a schoolmaster who had acquired some rudiments of classical learning at a country academy. To the depot we must transport the reader, on the arrival of the morning train from Chicago. But two passengers got out. One of them was a young man under twenty. The other was a boy, apparently about ten years of age, whom he held firmly by the hand. He was a delicate-looking boy, and though he was dressed in a coarse, ill-fitting suit, he had an appearance of refinement and gentle nature, as if he had been brought up in a luxurious home. He looked sad and anxious, and the glances he fixed on his companion indicated that he held him in fear. "'Where are you going?' he asked timidly, looking about him apprehensively. "'You'll know soon enough,' was the rough reply." "'When are you going to take me home, Mr. Ford?' asked the boy, in a pleading tone. 
Don't worry yourself about that. Papa will be so anxious about me. Papa and Grant. The young man's brow contracted. Don't mention the name of that boy. I hate him. He was always good to me. I like so much to be with him. He did all he could to injure me. I swore to be even with him, and I will. But I haven't injured you, Mr. Ford. How could you, a baby like you, said Ford contemptuously. Then why do you take me from home and make me so unhappy? Because it was the only way in which I could strike a blow at your father and Grant Thornton. When your father dismissed me without a recommendation, not caring whether I starved or not, he made me his enemy. But he wouldn't if you hadn't... Hadn't what? demanded Ford sternly. Taken Mrs. Estabrook's bonds. Dare to say that again and I will beat you, said Willis Ford brutally. Herbert trembled, for he had a timid nature and an exquisite susceptibility to pain. I didn't mean to offend you, he said. Wait here a few minutes while I look around for someone of whom I can make inquiries. Here, sit down on that settee. And mind you, don't stir till I come back. Will you obey me? Yes, answered the boy submissively. End of chapter 26 Recording by Sharon Kilmer, Rio Medina, Texas